Welcome to Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private. As we close out the last of 2020, we are looking forward positively to a new year and all of the changes that we expect after what has been a truly remarkable time for our country. While the second surge of COVID-19 is likely to result in an increase in job losses, additional small business closures, and a sharp increase in the people sick from the virus, the success of the hunt for a vaccine has created optimism that 2021, particularly the second half, should look and feel a lot different for the U.S. and Europe than 2020. The challenge of getting the economy back on track lies with the new administration in Washington, led by President-elect Joe Biden. A flurry of cabinet nominations has followed the announcement of the formal transition, despite President Trump's insistence of election fraud. We admit that while there is a lot of pomp and circumstance that comes ahead and into the inauguration, the most critical steps are getting the U.S. out of pandemic mode and into recovery mode, and that is likely to dominate the Biden administration efforts in the first half of next year. However, another major area of emphasis for the administration will be foreign policy, and in particular, trade policy. President Trump made trade policy the focus in the second half of his term, and President-elect Biden will need to carefully consider how he wants to tackle some of the existing issues, while also making sure that the U.S. doesn't take a step back in its efforts to equitize trade with our major trading partners. So what are the major considerations? Well, as it relates to China, even though there was a signed phase one trade deal in January, there are still tariffs, sanctions, and restrictions in place between the two countries. As it relates to tariffs, $360 billion of Chinese goods are still subject to tariffs right now. And that accounts for more than half of all exports from China to the U.S., President Trump relied heavily on the use of tariffs as part of his effort to exert influence on the Chinese government in areas like intellectual property protection and the opening up of the Chinese economy to non-Chinese firms. President Trump also focused on expanding Taiwan relations, which allowed for a counter to Chinese influence in the region and encouraged an expansion of economic cooperations between our two countries. This warm approach to Taiwan even to the point where Secretary of State Mike Pompeo stated that Taiwan is not a part of China, created a lot of discomfort in Beijing. One of the biggest concerns for the Trump administration, which is warranted, is the national security concern that is Chinese military might and its expanding military presence in the region. Getting tough on China has no longer become a partisan issue. And truly, there is bipartisan support, especially for military intervention as appropriate in the region. China's been flexing its military might to include its borders with India. It's also seen an entrance of more of its warships into the South China Sea. This improvement and installation of maritime resources 
is one of the biggest changes in the Chinese military over the last few years. The Chinese government has been very much focused on military modernization over the last 30 years, and that allows the country to be modestly more aggressive without as much of an explicit troop buildup. This is not dissimilar to the way that the U.S. has handled its defensive forces, citing the need to build military firepower to protect national security, but focusing instead of troops and large armaments on military technology. And this has incited a lot of concerns from the U.S. government about the sharing of that military technology with China. The Trump administration mitigated that concern by barring Americans from investing in a list of companies with Chinese military ties. 31 companies were listed on this particular edict, and they included major technology, manufacturing, and infrastructure companies, including big heavies like China Mobile, China Telecom, and Huawei. The Trump administration accused these companies of exploiting U.S. capital to resource and enable development and modernization of the Chinese military. And so with this military-civil fusion that she has been focused on, the Trump administration is looking to decouple the U.S. capital from Chinese companies that are supporting this program in China. This focus on military might has also extended to Taiwan, which has seen a number of weapons sales that have been improved during the Trump administration. And admittedly, the Taiwanese government is somewhat uncomfortable given the difference between the Trump administration's approach to Taiwan and the Obama administration's approach to Taiwan during the eight years that Barack Obama was in the White House. And so given all of this, what is the plan for the Biden administration as it relates to China? It's hard to tell at this juncture, but it's clear that we are not returning to Obama-era policy as it relates to China-U.S. relations. Biden will likely continue to rail against human rights abuses and will likely continue warm relations with Taiwan, but isn't likely to flaunt that rapport as much as his predecessor has done. For its part, as I mentioned, the Taiwanese government is likely to be initially wary, but if there is evidence that the Biden administration will continue to support economic and military cooperation, it is likely that they could have a warmer relationship than perhaps the one that the Obama administration had with Taiwan. It's not all about China, of course. The situation between the European Union and the United Kingdom as it relates to Brexit remains challenging. The Trump administration was seen as supportive of Prime Minister Boris Johnson and the United Kingdom in their negotiations with the European Union about leaving the trade bloc. And President-elect Biden is seen as more likely to side with the European Union due to the Ireland question. One of the current issues that remains and has continued to stymie Brexit negotiations between the UK and the European Union is the Ireland question. And 
President-elect Biden has come out, along with several members of his leadership team, stating that the number one priority is that they cannot compromise peace in Northern Ireland. The original Brexit deal guaranteed that there would be no customs posts on the Irish border. And in acknowledgement of the Good Friday Agreement, that was an important and potentially very impactful decision as part of that agreement. For the UK government to potentially renege on that now is really where you're seeing this impasse as it relates to the current negotiations. And so there will not be a US-UK trade agreement if this question is not resolved in a way that maintains the Good Friday Agreement that focuses on peace in Northern Ireland. And so all of this could dramatically improve the probability of an EU-UK deal in the coming days because that bilateral trade agreement with the US is so important to Boris Johnson that he may be willing to find a creative solution to the Ireland question in order to garner favor with Biden and his administration and lend itself to the outcome that is desired. As I mentioned earlier, all of this is likely to be in focus in the second half of 2021. Although this unfolding situation in the European Union may be impacted by the upcoming Biden administration, even before Biden is in office. And so what we're looking for is not dissimilar to what we were looking for coming into 2020. We were expecting an improvement in U.S.-China relations. We were expecting there to be not just a phase one trade deal, but perhaps a phase two and phase three trade deal behind between the U.S. and China. And President-elect Biden is likely to continue to look for concessions from the Chinese government as it relates to intellectual property protections, as I mentioned earlier, and other ways that we can equitize the trading relationship. And it was likely that a Trump administration in the second term would have done something similar. Uh, we do believe that we will have better trade relations with both the European, with the European Union and with Japan as uh, on the heels of a Biden win. We also expect that although there is some potential tension right now, we do expect the US and the UK to come to some sort of agreement during Biden's presidency about a trade deal between those two nations as well. Overall, it makes sense that coming out of this pandemic and looking forward over the course of the next several years, a more collaborative, conciliatory, diplomatic approach to trade is likely to benefit not just the United States, China, the European Union, the United Kingdom, Japan, but really the global economy at large, as the economy needs all the help it can get after the devastation that we've experienced over the last year. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. I want to encourage all of you to reach out to our team here at Boston Private with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as a trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha.
You can also read our latest perspectives on the markets, the economy, taxes, estate planning, and the year ahead by visiting bostonprivate.com. And if you want all of this information delivered right to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletters while you're there. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. And I look forward to coming to you again next week. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.